You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. Now what? Join me, Pastor Carissa, and my colleague, Pastor Alan, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Welcome to Soft Idolatry, Season 6, Episode 3. Carissa, how's it going? Uh, It's going pretty well. It's going pretty well. How's it going for you? It's good. I'm on vacation this week, but I just couldn't tear myself away from the chance to uh, record a podcast with you. Wow, I am touched that you're using your vacation time to uh, to talk about stuff, uh, theology, and, and things like that with me. So I'm glad you're I'm glad you're here. Well, thank you, and uh, it's also that we we have so many things that come up on our schedules that force us to postpone a week here or there or two weeks here or two weeks there that I thought, eh, let's just do this. I, I have no actual fun plans this week, um, so <laughs> why not record? Yeah, and this this falls in one of those funny, weird gray areas where it's something that we really enjoy doing, but it's also kind of work, and it's definitely like a public theology practice, and... Mm-hmm. So it, it goes along with the things that we're doing in our in our studies, but it yeah it's a weird it's a weird thing and and often we don't record when one of us is on vacation and sometimes we do record when one of us is on vacation and this is one of those times yeah. So not being on vacation, what's going on in your ministry right now? Uh, I'm starting to feel settled in in the new digs over at the over at the county jail um really enjoying the the holy and vulnerable nature of the ministry there um it's difficult it's weird but there's never a dull moment and that's uh that's right up my alley for sure so there's a lot of moving parts Um, i've got a really great great staff there um, fantastic chaplains that i'm working with and uh, yeah, so it's going pretty well. The tra- I feel like the transition is solidly set. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm no longer having moments where I sit down at my desk and I go, what have I done? <laughs> this implies that you had those moments at the beginning? They were kind of daily for the first week or two, <laughs> you know, and they've been decreasing in frequency. And I just realized I'm not having those those now. This is, yeah. So I think that that's probably pretty good, right? A month in and I haven't left. Yes, yes. A month in and you haven't left is definitely good. Uh, of course, you never know if, if um, the lack of those moments is because things are going right or because you just haven't seen (laughs) i've just missed something you've missed something you've been busy burying landmines that you didn't realize you were burying who knows i hope i'm not burying landmines i hope i'm uncovering them like carefully i'd rather (laughs) not bury more (laughs) yes no that that is definitely the hope of of course in ministry it's more often than not, you're stepping on the landmines that someone else has laid for you or just has laid and forgotten about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is that much is true. And that and that is exactly the same in uh, parachurch ministry as it is in parish ministry there. There's always going to be landmines when you're when you have people together in one place, you hmm. will have landmines. <laughs> Yes, uh, the, the, the culture wants to continue to replicate itself, and 
uh, any disruptions to the uh, to to the status quo are are met with um, are 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 met drama. with with drama or <laughs> passive aggression or angst. Yeah, passive aggression, yeah, or just aggression, aggression. Yes, <laughs> that one happens too. De- depending on on who the bullies are in the congregation, etc. Correct, correct. Well, and I think that that kind of segues us neatly into uh, where we're going to be this week in our in our topic. Last week, we talked about listening to uncomfortable stories, and that often requires listening to people on the margins, people who have had less power for some reason. Um, that might be less social power, less physical power, less fiscal power. Um, there's a variety of, of different um places that can that can transpire and you know one of the big ones in our culture today is racial dynamic um as someone offered a reminder this week on it was on social media or somebody texted me or something and they're like you know i just realized that um black people in america have still not been free as long as they were slaves here as long as they were enslaved and I'd heard that before, but it's sobering every time you think about it, because we like to think that racism is over. We like to think that um, things have been fixed because Abraham Lincoln signed a piece of paper, but there that's a lot of damage. That is a lot of centuries of damage, and we haven't come out as far on the other side. So, and, you know, there's lots of... Um, you know, we've got issues of gender and sexuality as well that are um, often at the forefront today. And, you know, it's important for us to think about how to lift up those voices and when it's appropriate. And, yeah. Yeah, that, that is, I mean, it's funny. I hear hanging out in the cigar shop with... Um, mostly middle-aged white guys uh and um hearing hearing one guy say oh i don't i don't see any racism in this town at all i've lived here for 30 years and you know everything seems to be great and it's like um other than a couple of regular customers at the cigar shop who are black who do you interact with um, if everybody in your white subdivision is white, yes, that's a tautology, um, you're not going to see it. Or if you know somebody in a very specific context, um, you know, your, your one black colleague from work, maybe he doesn't feel comfortable sharing those stories with you at work, especially if he's heard you saying, no, I don't see any problems with race in this country. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like if the only person of color you have to go to is your one black coworker, hello, (laughs) (laughs) that, that doesn't, that, that doesn't cover it. That's not like, that's not it. Not that you can't develop real meaningful relationships with colleagues but that's that doesn't mean you have an actual 
sustainable, healthy relationship with that person. That just means you happen to get paid by the same company. Right. You you ha- cohabitate certain workspaces. Um, now, if you if you actually actively work to build that relationship, um, that's different. But that's still just one person. Exactly. Exactly. And um, you know when you look at the population of the United States, that as a percentage is pretty sad. We, we have to really just seek out people who are different from us. And that's hard and people aren't always receptive, um, but to develop meaningful relationships with, not just to, you know, that's like, you don't want to propose to someone on the first date. You don't want to, the first time you, you go hang out with your, your new, um, your new friend who's who's black or gay or whoever the the group is that you're trying to get to know the first time you hang out together start asking them these deep questions about equality right and and racism because that's just you know that's a lot for a first time hanging out you don't have the social capital the relational capital to do that yet wait you you don't you don't propose on a first date yeah i hate to tell you this buddy that might be why you're single man (laughs) don't Wait a second. What about you and Tim? <laughs> oh, okay. You know, touche. Touche. Um, to be fair, we'd known each other for a very long time. Yes, you yeah. had. So, you know what I meant, smart aleck. I, I do know exactly what you meant. And uh, no, I hit, that, that is one dating faux pas of which I have never been guilty. So. Well done. Good job. <laughs> I don't know that that's a good job as, uh, you know... Oh, you're not completely stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, so anyway. But enough about us. <laughs> yeah, this is going off the rails quickly today. Um, yeah, one complaint that I hear from people, um, have heard from people, and especially in a church context, which I think is really sad because this is the last place you should hear something like this, uh, but people accuse you of something called reverse racism, Um and Ibram X. Kendi has some very strong feelings on this. If you have not read any of his, his writings, How to Be an Anti-Racist is a great, great book. Uh, but um, this idea of reverse racism, where if you are lifting up more, uh, more black voices or more female voices or more LGBTQ voices, that that is then somehow marginalizing uh, cisgendered white males. <laughs> Um, you know, that's the idea of reverse racism, reverse sexism, or whatever it is. And that is, um, theologically, a load of crap, to put it bluntly. Yeah, I, I, I have not yet read uh, Candy's book. It, it's on that list of things to read. But, you know, the basic premise is that racism is the practice of the dominant group only the dominant group gets to exclude others from positions of power and privilege and uh, so there is no reverse racism can people of all different backgrounds have biases against people of other backgrounds of course anybody can have an individual bias But the bottom line is the levers of power are still 
controlled, yeah, mostly by white people. More than mostly. Um, But, you know, white people, particularly white men over a certain age, are the ones who have the power in institutions and organizations. Certainly it has changed over the generations. Um, You know, 60 years ago, everybody in Congress was a man, um, or almost everybody. Uh, every, almost every state legislator was a man. Uh, 60 years ago, you certainly would have had some black representatives and uh, perhaps state legislators, depending on the state. Um, and, and, and I realized that that that, that that statement um, acknowledges a handful of legislators, not uh, a large, not not anything approaching proportional representation. Um, but that's certainly something that has been a positive change over the last two or three generations. We are moving closer to that, but we're still not there you know, Um, and and really where we are seeing the gains in, uh, in state legislatures and in the U.S. Congress are among white women. Yeah, and, and even there, um, there, there are still plenty of people who will flat out tell you out there, they are uncomfortable voting for a woman for, uh, maybe they'll say now, like, city council is one thing, but I'd never vote for a woman president because women are too emotional or women aren't presidential or, or whatever it is. And which is completely ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, we're getting there, but we're nowhere near. And, you know, if you want to normalize having um, having black representation, having native you know, indigenous rep- representation, having female representation, having LGBTQ representation, you you have to, in a way, quote, overdo it, right? Um, you need to really pay attention to those and lift up those who fall into those uh, less represented groups who are have managed to get into those places of power to help normalize it so that we are able to reach what is representative of what our population as a whole looks like. And also recognize the challenges. You can't just say I'm okay with a black president and not recognize everything that Barack Obama had to overcome to become the president of the United States as a black man in America. You know, you have to realize how many more obstacles there are in the, in the way um, before, you know, making those judgment calls. Well, maybe those people just aren't suited, right? Um, Well, maybe... It's it's always those people. Right. You know, maybe you're running a flat track and they're jumping hurdles, right? Like, we've got to really acknowledge that um, before we can, you know, make make calls on if we're over-representing or whatever. Now, we we are... um in danger here 
danger is the wrong word. Uh, danger, Will Robinson. <laughs> if we were in a a situation where we were having this discussion around our congregations, somebody would say, Pastor, you're getting too political. Oh, because we all know Jesus was never political. <laughs> that makes me nuts for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, it that's used as a cop out to avoid hard issues. Mm-hmm. It's straight, like plain and simple. That is a lame excuse to get you out of talking about something hard. A. B. It is a misuse of the term political because there's politics in every aspect of life. Politics simply means the interactions that happen in an organized organization, <laughs> society, <laughs> culture, right? So you've got government politics you've got national politics international politics local politics there's a lot of people in church who are okay with you being involved in local politics like caring about who's on school board like they want you to vote for them as for school board they want to be able to tell everyone in the congregation to vote for them for school board but they don't want to talk about national issues like hello Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a misuse of the word politics just whole stop um, go read some John Howard Yoder if you want to talk about <laughs> politics and theology. Go on. No, I, I, I think really what it, yes, you, you, you are absolutely right that it, it's, it's a signal from a congregation member that um, you are now saying something that makes me uncomfortable. And um, <laughs> there, there, there are snowflakes of every political uh, stripe and mm-hmm. and don't want to be challenged um, and and also you know they, there is an implicit um, insertion of the word partisan into that statement yes. uh, it, it's it's not there um, you know it's it's the silent it's the silent vowel at the end of the word or something Um the the you're you're getting too close to partisan politics um but one of the things that has happened in this generation is that we've moved into a space where everything is political so for starters it's almost impossible not to touch something that touches politics and then if you try to avoid it all you you get this uh you you either get a gospel that is so watered down and overly spiritualized that you are saying uh, that you're just giving pleasantries from the pulpit or you're doing something like um, uh, the prosperity gospel. You know, you, you are you, you are either giving them crap or heresy from the pulpit if you don't tread on anything political. And I think also we are afraid of... Sometimes the people who I get pushback from, uh, if I'm 
treading too close to politics are people whose politics are actually close to mine, but they fear that the mere mention of something will will spark a battle with other people in the congregation with different views. And uh, we have just become so averse to a kind of conflict that we, well, that, that's uncomfortable. And as, as I frequently tell my congregations, when you find that spot that feels uncomfortable, that's where Jesus is calling you to go. Um, he, he is saying, come and follow me. Yeah, and we're not very good at not being in power. Uh, the church has been a very powerful, powerful thing in the world for centuries, for better or for worse. And we're so individually focused in the United States, and we may start to talk about this uh, next week a bit, that um, we don't want to give up any individual power as well. And often that looks like not being willing to give intellectually at all. Um, not being willing to have, you know, a reasonable discussion with someone in which you may say, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way before, because you're spending so much time trying to convince them that you're the right one. And conversations like that never go anywhere. They don't. Um, and also, for the record, nobody has ever changed religion or political affiliation because of your obnoxious bumper stickers, right? <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. You're just speaking bumper stickers at each other, and it doesn't mm -hmm. go anywhere. And, you know, that's why we need to be willing to cede some of our ground to somebody else and to disproportionately cede some of our ground to those who have had less opportunity to share their side of the story with others in the past. Yes, I, I believe too that you know we are we are called as the church to mend these divisions in our society, and simply shouting bumper sticker arguments at one another does not mend those divisions. And the church is one of those places where, at least in theory, we hold that calling to go and fix the problems of the world. And uh, even if you are in, as, as most of us Presbyterian ministers are in majority white situations, there are still, because we are the church, there are still ways to partner with people who don't look like us and also with people who occupy different economic strata. Because I think that's one of the unspoken, uh, unspoken truths of these discussions is that a lot of white mainline congregations are middle class, upper middle class, uh, or some mixture of upper middle class and really wealthy. And yes, it varies a lot geographically, but 
you know, I live in a county in New Jersey where I would guess the median home price is probably somewhere north of $500,000. Are there poor people here in Monmouth County? Absolutely there are. But they are, uh, if they are going to church, they are not as often going to uh, churches that you can put the word first in front of the name. You know, not the the typical mainline congregations. So we have become self-selecting bodies of homogeneous um, white people of middle income and above, and in some cases, way above. And that distances us from from people in lots of ways, and those are the very divisions that we are called to uh, to cross, to eliminate, to... Uh, th- those are the dividing walls we are called to break down. Yeah, and avoiding those difficult conversations, those ones that might be labeled as political as a way to like get out of the room, right? Um, avoiding those conversations will simply drive us further into our um, homogeny, right? Um, it's going to just insulate us even more from the reality of people who don't look and act and spend and earn the same way we do. And that's really problematic in the church that is called to be multicultural. And called to tear down the walls of hostility. Exactly. We, we... We don't tear down the walls of hostility by ignoring them. No, no. And we also don't tear down the walls of hostility by uh, slapping the bumper stickers on our cars, uh, making memes of them and throwing them up on Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> right. You know, all, all of those things, um, you know, that, that as a pastor sometimes make you cringe when you get a friend request from one of your congregants. Yeah, you're really hoping they're not going to be doing that. And some of them are totally doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the uncomfortable spaces are often where we hear these uh, realities expressed, where we hear the stories of people who don't look like us, people who come from very different economic backgrounds. And if we are staying behind our comfortable walls, we are not hearing their stories. We are hearing, if we are hearing anything like their stories, it's the versions of their stories that are fed to us from the media. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, that can be the entertainment media, that can be the news media, It's all sorts of things, but there is no substitute for for those honest conversations. And here's here's another one that that I hear. (laughs) Um, Here's another one that that I hear a lot, uh, or or heard a lot when the song was out there. But uh, that song by Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. Um, the one with the initials. Oh. And, you know, I hear 
I heard lots of people saying, isn't that awful? How is this, uh, you know, basically, why do people listen to this crap? And I thought, why don't you talk to a woman, white or black, under the age of 30, and find out what she finds uh, empowering about it, you know? Uh, you, you hear this in context, I, I heard it sometimes, in, in the context of, you know, songs you, you can't, you don't hear on the radio anymore, um, and, and and yet, you know, they can play that awful thing, and um, yeah, it, it's it's like, well, you need to have these conversations with your kids or your grandkids. And again, it's an uncomfortable space to have that cross-generational conversation and say, yeah. why why do you find this song uh, appealing? Well, and you might also need to talk about language and mm-hmm. terminology because what may be scandalous to one generation is not to the next in the same way and so i'm thinking about there's like there's some real shady music from pretty much every generation that Mm -hmm. is talking about the exact same stuff in coded language there is some seriously creepy stalkery rapey stuff from the 60s through the 80s right Mm -hmm. um just creepy stuff and very problematic but it is in slightly coded language but everybody knew what it meant right so I I think talking about terminology too and this is something that I've found helpful in conversations about race with other people is defining the terms as you start these conversations because what might be a trigger word for one group means something completely different for the other right so some folks will assume when you're talking about Uh, systemic racism you're talking about individual people making racist jokes or bias bias Mm -hmm. decisions but that's not at all what systemic racism means it means the odds are stacked against certain people right and so defining those terms and talking about what do i mean when i say this thing so talking about in in the song right Mm -hmm. talking about the the song isn't out there to be lewd that song is about empowering women to be comfortable in their own sexuality in a world that has shamed us for that in the past that's what that song is about right just because it uses words you don't like to get that message across doesn't mean it's any less powerful and so I I think you're absolutely right sitting down and talking to people why is this powerful for you why do you like this what does it mean to you before you go assuming it means something based on your own experiences in your own homogenous world Mm -hmm. correct and yeah we could we could go uh off on a massive tangent um talking about that song and uh, I think we have actually probably gotten close to a concluding point uh, if we don't go off on that tangent. Correct. Correct. Yeah, that might be another one for another day, I think. 
I'm, I'm going to let that be one with, uh, with, with a substitute host. Yeah. <laughs> we'll bring Rebecca on, and Rebecca and I will talk about it, and you can just go be on vacation for a week mm-hmm. and then be horrified when you listen to it later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, we probably, that one would be not fit for general I, uh, audiences, no. I think. <laughs> but no, I th- so listen disproportionately to the stories that make you uncomfortable because you've been listening to the same damn story your whole life. Listen to a new one. Yeah. I think that sums it up. Great. You want to pray? I was going to offer you that chance. Too late. I already asked you. It's like when you're at lunch and everybody has their thumbs on the table. You put your thumb up last, man. You get to pray. You've never done that before? What is that for picking up the check or something? Oh, you could do it for picking up the check, but no, who has to pray for the food? Y'all throw your thumb, like thumbs up on the table. Oh. The last one, thumbs up, has to pray for the food. No, no, I, I, I was not in such churchy settings. I, I... Oh, well, everybody who's ever worked in youth ministry knows exactly what I'm talking <laughs> about right now. <laughs> Very good. Let us pray. Gracious God. We thank you for stories. We thank you for connections through your story and through our stories. And we thank you for the uncomfortable stories too. We thank you for the call to follow and to serve. And we ask that you continue to equip us with your Holy Spirit so that we may find the uncomfortable stories and pursue them. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks for joining us on Soft Idolatry. For show notes and more information, check out our website at softidolatry.com. To send us questions or comments, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, please become a patron at www.patreon.com slash softidolatry. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.